0: Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. I would describe uh, this as brutal. Both beautiful and brutal all at the same time. Brutiful, that is the perfect word for sure. Beautiful beyond words. I mean, some of the landscape, some of the, which some of you saw pictures. I was able to post at certain times and show pictures. I mean, incredible, incredible, incredible. It's just like no other place that I've ever been and no other place that I even know of. I mean, it was absolutely extraordinary. And then at the same time, it was one of the most brutal things that I've ever done in my entire... It is the most brutal brutal thing I've ever done in my life. I don't think that there is anything that I could have done to prepare for uh, this journey, to prepare me more for this journey, uh, and what I experienced those eight days on that mountain. It was... Uh, it was incre- I, I've used the word incredible way too much but I really don't know any other word to say other than incredible. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Let me just give you a little bit of perspective because like I said, this is the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. We, uh, Our trekking team was 13 people. Now... I'll talk about a lot of this stuff more when we uh, have our, our service on in August and kind of give you some more details and, and show some pictures and things like that. But just to give you an idea, this is what it takes to get 13 people to the top uh, of the mountain, to the mountain, uh, just to keep us alive on the mountain, is we had 38 porters for 13 people. With those 38 porters, we also had six guides that led us all the way up through this La Mosha route. We also had two guys that were responsible for the toilet. And then we had two guys responsible for the kitchen. So 48 people is what it took to get 13 from point A to point B. Incredible. These porters are the most amazing people. And I'll, I'll talk about that more just because we don't have a lot of time for that today. But let me give you a perspective on challenge and difficulty. My trekking team, 13 people in that group... Um, all of them are special in their own rights, but uh, with with that group, I had a young a young guy from um, Australia. He is a submarine mechanic, and uh, he has swam the English Channel. That's that's his thing. Okay. <laughs> we had another lady from Australia who has just recently gotten back from climbing to the base camp of Mount Everest, eighteen thousand plus feet it took her 12 days to do that trek okay we had another man that also had done the same thing had climbed to base camp of Mount Everest and uh, they all at the end of this trip said they had never done anything in their life as hard as what they did climbing Mount Kilimanjaro so that gives you perspective when we, when me and Jared were sitting there on the side of the mountain one day and I say to him, what in the world are we doing? We have no idea what we were getting ourselves into in this journey. And he said, no, I had no idea. We, we totally underestimated the challenge of, of this. It is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. I would also say to you that the magnitude of this mountain is really beyond description. It is so huge. It took us about two and a half days before we actually saw the mountain that we're trying to summit. I mean, the part of the mountain that we're trying to summit. We walked and walked and walked until we finally came into view. And when it comes into view, I mean, it's like forever over there. It's like, that's the mountain we're going to. Are you kidding me? We're going to that one. And so it's just massive and huge. And uh, last week in my video, to the church, I promise to share with you some successes and failures along the way of that journey. Um, let me start with successes. Successes, raised $20,000, this group of people did that. Pretty incredible. I mean, that is just beyond anything I could have even fathomed as possible. That was one of the big hurdles that I was afraid of. Together, me, Jake, Jared, our climbing, our particular little group of three, we raised $58,000 collectively for the school. That's a pretty great, great, great endeavor. $58,000. And so the school is slated to begin construction this year, should be completed sometime. By next year and operational sometime next year and all of you had a part in that and I mean for that I think you can be really really proud uh, I'll get to show you where the school is I'll get to show you some of the people you've seen some of the posts on Facebook some of those kids that were in the post are the very kids we're going to be helping and we're going to be providing an education and giving them an opportunity to rise out of the current situation that they're living in and so it's just incredible another uh, success of course I lost forty Pounds and the rest plus on the mountain. I promise you. (laughs) There was a lot of things shed on the mountain, a lot of things lost on the mountain for sure. Uh, I'm also excited to say that I finished all 43 miles of that Lamosha route across Mount Kilimanjaro, which was brutal miles, I promise you, up and down, across through, over, up, down, I mean, just all of that, and we finished that. I was so glad to accomplish that. We had great successes, and all of those successes are because of us. I want that clear this morning, that it's not because of me, it's because of us. There is no me in this, I promise you, and any me that was started out in this journey was crucified on the mountain along the way. It's not just me, it's us. Because you were on the mountain with me, and I want to show you just what I mean by that in my little pack here. This pack has been my best friend. Right here. These are the cards that were written to me from people in this church. I put them in my backpack. And they went with me every single mile of that trip. I never left them behind in my bag. I took them with me right here in this. And you guys were with me in heart, mind, and soul, and strength all of the way. I promise you. Because I couldn't have done it without you. Now let me talk about Summit Day. Day six is really the day before Summit Day. And we started that day. At seven o'clock in the morning we climbed from what was called Karanga camp and it was at 13,106 feet. I mean that's that's high. And we are climbing from there to Barufu camp at 15,331 feet. So that that is day six. I mean, we're basically climbing roughly two thousand feet to get to that next next place. When we got to the camp, we had a late lunch, we had a two-hour rest. And then we got up, had dinner, had a briefing on what we were going to need to do to get ready for the summit, what clothes to wear, how to layer up, all of those kinds of things because at this point we're at altitudes and the temperature's around 20 20 degrees, so it's cold, and it's going to get only colder the higher we go. And so they're telling us, they're preparing us, they're getting us ready. And then we had another about three-hour rest before we had to get up at 11 o'clock at night and begin our journey to the summit. We're doing this in the middle of the night. So day seven really has not even began yet. It's just about an hour prior to day seven. It's going to take us seven hours at best to get to the top of the mountain from this point. And so we have a seven-hour day of climbing up. And I'm talking about up. There was no up and down on this particular portion of the trek. It was straight up. Um, climbing for the, for seven hours to get to the top. Now, let me back up just a little bit and just tell you that all week, the presence of God was so good, so near and dear and uh, very special, very, very special. On day two of this, I didn't think I was going to make it past day two because on day two, we were climbing up and down. I mean, we would we would gain 2,000 feet but we may climb 6,000 by the time we climb up down back up again down again and then finally back up to where we're going I mean it was just up and down like that day two I had not been drinking enough water and the minimum requirement that they told us and they drove this into our heads every day was three liters of water we had to have three liters of water each and every day well, I was struggling to drink water. My stomach was upset. I was very sick uh, in my stomach. I mean, all of us were struggling with that a little bit. And I just could not drink. And um, about halfway through the journey in day two, I fell to dehydration severely bad to the point that I was shaking. And um, um, I couldn't. I needed to vomit, but I couldn't vomit because there was nothing, you know. And just really, really, really struggling. And... uh just praying and asking God. And I'll tell you, I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I don't drink after anybody. That is, like, gross to me. That is, I don't do that. I mean, I'll drink after April, and that is it. I mean, that's that's all I'm sharing with. I was so dehydrated that day. I drank after Jared. I drank after Jake. I drank after Joseph, my guide, who I've never met prior to this trip. <laughs> <laughs> I drank after a porter that I still to this day have no idea where he came from or where he went. But I was just trying to get fluids in my body because I thought, honestly, I was done that day. And I was like, I cannot be done day two. God, you got to help me. And God was so good. God was so gracious. God gave me the strength, and I made it. And then, you know, I was able to recover. But let me just stop and just tell you that this is what I had in my mind. You know, we all go into things and we have certain things in our mind. You know, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to turn out. This is what's going to happen. And this is what's going to be the result of what happens. And, you know, I'm like everybody else. I had it all worked out in my mind what God was going to do and how God was going to use this to connect to our church and to really uh, give me a position even greater in our church where Maybe I could lead better or, or, you know, accomplish more together and, you know, just whatever. I mean, I I even wrote in my journal like day three that my, my whole ambition was to finish this climb and be able to call April after we're done and just simply say, I did it. And just let that simmer. You know, just let that be. To be able to walk in here on a Sunday morning and climb to the top of this pulpit and say, nothing else but, I did it. And then let the roar of the crowd take over. God changed my mind about a lot of things on that journey. So I began my journey to the summit with those things in mind. Eleven, eleven thirty, headlamp on, walking up shale, loose rocks, gravel trying to get to the top. You know, this is what I've learned, is that you you see great accomplishments certainly inspire confidence, but they also create distance. April and I are both determined people. We are, I would say, accomplished people. We set our minds to do something, and we do it. We uh, set goals, and we... Are pretty tenacious about accomplishing those goals. There's not very many things in my life that I haven't set out to do that I can look back at and say, man, I just could not get that done. And so there's a lot of things in our lives that have been that way. But what we've learned really is that along the way sometimes, and although people believe in us when we say we're going to do something, it also sends some other messages too. Some messages that are detrimental such as I'm going to do this with or without you, can be a message that's sent. It can also be a message sent that I'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop me, not even you, you're not going to stop me. It creates distance. One thing that pastoring has taught me and is still teaching me today is that it's about people or it's not pastoring. It's about people or it's not pastoring. I may get a task done without people, but that is not pastoring. My aim as a man, as a person that has ambition, is to be bigger than life and do great things. And sometimes that means doing it all alone. But that's not what pastoring is about. It's always about people that you take along with you in the journey. Because here's the truth, people would rather follow a leader that's real than one who is right or one who is full of might and accomplishment. It's always our weaknesses, not our strengths that connect us together at a heart level. All of us at some point in our lives need to attempt something that is greater than us, that is bigger than us, that is absolutely more than us. Summit day, back to summit day. So we start. 4,000 feet straight up. As far as you can see, this is an incredible sight. As far as you can see, you can see lights working their way up the mountain. And forever, you see people moving with their little headlamps on all up the mountain. It's, it, the stars are incredible. There's no light pollution around, you know, because, I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And so it's an incredible sight, but the trail is absolutely horrendous. It's terrible. It's not only straight up. It's rocks. It's shell. It's gravel. You take a step up, and you slide half a step back every single time. We use trekking poles when we could use trekking poles, but then there's places along the way where you have to just kind of set those aside and reach up and grab the rock and pull yourself up to the next place. And and it's brutal. I mean, it's just a one difficult step after another, all the while gaining an elevation, losing oxygen, and it becoming more and more difficult. And real and that really after about two hours of climbing, I realize that something is not right with me. I don't feel right. I slow down and Joseph, my God, is with me. And uh, we just start trying to take it a step at a time. You know, we're just moving forward. I have a goal in mind. I have a summit in mind. I have a plan in mind. After about another hour, I can tell that I'm starting to kind of get into a little trouble. Um, By this time, I've made it a little over 1,000 feet up. And still, as far as I can see, lights above you. Just, I mean, I'll never forget it. I'm passing people along the way, they're vomiting, there are people that are collapsing. Um, There was a couple in a trekking group that we passed who were unable to even stand up. They were dragging them off to the side, trying to kind of revive them and get them moving again so they could get them back down the mountain. And so, I mean, it was just difficult to say the least. Altitude's no joke. By this time, I'm having to take frequent stops to rest. Joseph, my God, he keeps asking me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how tired am I? How tired are you? On a scale of 1 to 10, how tired are you? And I told him, you know, I'm a 7, I'm an 8, I'm i I'm there, I'm tired. So, but we keep going. I, you know, I tell him, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'll make it. Just, just be patient with me, I'm just going to take it a step at a time. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Because I'm driven by a few things. You know, I'm driven by I want to come home. I want to say to April and the kids, I did it. I want to come in here and say to you, I did it. I I want to accomplish this. This has been something I've been working for for six months, and now I want to finish this all out. Another hour passes, and I stop to rest there, sit on a rock. And while I'm sitting on the rock, I fall asleep. Joseph wakes me up, and he says, you cannot sleep on the mountain you cannot you got to you got to keep moving you got to keep doing you got to you got to stay awake we keep on going as we're walking around now we're about 2000 feet up about 2000 left to go and i keep falling asleep as we're walking i take a step and i fall asleep and i'll wake up because i'll start to fall and i'll you know my trekking pole'll shake or whatever and it'll wake me back up for a second, and I did that, I don't know how many times I did that, I know of a couple times, a couple times I fell down, and I'm not sure if I fell down because of loose gravel or if I fell down because I fell asleep, it's brutal, brutal, all the time this is going on, I am praying and asking God to wake me up, I'm asking God to give me strength, I'm asking God to help me finish, I'm thinking about April, I'm thinking about the kids, I'm thinking about you all. I'm thinking about this moment. I'm thinking about so many things. I'm thinking about these cards and what they mean to me and and how I want to go to the top and take a picture with them right there and just all of these things. And I'm praying and asking God. We keep going. Finally, I told Joseph, I said, "I I am so exhausted. I can't get any energy. And he said to me, he said, now listen, if you're exhausted, if you tell me you're exhausted, we have to stop immediately and we have to turn around and go down. Are you exhausted? And I said, no, I'm okay. (laughs) No, I'm okay. (laughs) And then I repented for lying as I (laughs) keep walking up the mountain. (laughs) So we go a little further. How tired are you? Joseph, I'm tired. I I mean, I can't even think. I'm uncoordinated. I'm stumbling around. I'm extremely exhausted. By this time, we're around 17,500 feet. That's high, folks. And I'm praying to God, and I'm begging God for strength and energy, and I'm praying Scripture all along the way, and nothing is changing. I still feel awful. I feel tired. I feel like I can't keep my eyes open. As a matter of fact, I'm not keeping my eyes open. At this point, now we're walking on snow and we're walking on ice. And um, to give you perspective on that. We're walking on, um, Kilimanjaro's the only place in Africa that has, still has glaciers. And so we're up there on glaciers walking, essentially, ice fields. And uh, off to the side, the ice kind of goes like this. And then on this side of the ice, there's nothing but oblivion. And as we're walking and I'm stumbling and I'm trying to stay awake, I'm thinking one misstep and I'm done. I'm gone. It's over with. And I'm praying and I'm asking God, please help me, Jesus. Just show up here and do this. He's shown up all throughout the week. He's helped me when I didn't have strength in myself. I I know what it feels like to find his strength. I know what it feels like to have him come and gird me up and help me to get to the next place, to help me recover uh, overnight so that I'm able to do the same thing again the next day. For seven days in a row, we did this. And God has helped me every single step of the way. But yet, here on the side of the mountain when it seems to count the most, I'm like, God, where are you? And God isn't helping me. And it was like in that moment as I'm standing there on that ice that everything just kind of seemed to stop. And I realized this. I say I'm doing this for April. I say I'm doing this for the kids. I say I'm doing this for my church family. But if April was here right now, she would not be telling me to go on. If April was here right now, she would be begging me with everything within her being to please stop pushing forward. More than something this mountain, I know that she would want me to come home to her and the kids. My church family would rather me be home and safe than to complete this goal of getting on this top of this mountain. And so God wasn't helping me go on, but God gave me the peace to stop at that point, And the assurance that what I was doing was the only thing that I could do in that moment. And so from there, I still had to walk back down 2,000 feet back to camp. And as I walked, I found God's strength again. I found God's peace again, and that was the assurance I needed to, to know that I made the right decision. And so I, more than anything, I wanted to be able to stand here today and say I made it all the way 19,341 feet. But I can't tell you that because it just wasn't nothing in there to make it another step. I gave everything that I had on the side of that mountain. But I know that the Lord led me to make the decision that I made. And you know, and I want to inspire you with this today is that you've got to go for it anyway you got to go for it anyway. If you fall short it's okay because there's still greatness in the try. Amen. Amen. And I really believe this that I really believe this that at the point in my journey there I did the most courageous thing that I could do. I swallowed my pride. I walked down the mountain and I walked right back to my home. My family and friends. You know, and this is what I feel like the Lord was trying to do through that, is that all throughout Scripture we see great wins. We see great victories. But we are also blessed to see weaknesses. And the weaknesses is what we connect with most at the heart level. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to win. There's not a person that doesn't want to overcome. There's not a person that doesn't want to succeed, reach the goal. But done, but we don't always do that. Sometimes the reality of life is we fall short. Sometimes the reality of life is that we just don't have enough at that point in our lives to get to where we dream we could go. But it's in our failings that we are most human, and in our weaknesses that we are most relatable. And so let me ask you this question today What will you do with the unexpected? What will you do in life with the unexpected? What will you do when things don't turn out like you envision them to turn out? What I expected to happen did not happen. And that's a tough thing for me. I I sat on the side of the mountain when I made the decision not to go any further. And I cried for about five minutes there with me and Joseph, a man that I barely know. And he hugged me (laughs) and loved me. And told me it was oh, akuna matata, no problem. <laughs> my challenge was this. This is where God challenged me. Will I be vulnerable and exposed and let God use my broken things to maybe mend yours? Or will I try to hide my weaknesses and hope that you just don't see it? At the end of the day, we're just people. Trying for the best, trying for the top, sometimes reaching it and sometimes not. I told you in my last sermon before I left that we're only responsible for what we put into it and the results are always up to God. I didn't know I was preaching myself. We have to learn to give the results over to Him and His perfect plan because His plan is perfect. And here's what I know, that we're family. We are family at this church. We're broken and mended. We're strong and weak. We're whole and incomplete. We're all of those things all at the same time. And in that, God has a plan and a purpose, and it's a perfect plan and a perfect purpose. I'll probably see that mountain again someday, and we'll see what that outcome holds. That's the power of yet that we talked about also before I left. I wasn't able to do it yet. Yet. But until then, the mountain taught me some things. It taught me to trust God along the way and to trust God with the outcome. It taught me a sensitivity to God's spirit and how to follow after his peace. We had a lot of good times together in the tent, me and the Lord. If somebody had a video camera in there, they'd have thought I was nuts, I promise you. Because I spent a lot of time talking to him like he was sitting right there in the tent with me. And he was. It taught me to reevaluate the win because sometimes my win is not God's win. But I know this, that his win's always better. And his win always has my best in mind. Amen. It taught me how to give everything I can possibly, that I can possibly give to that particular moment, and I did that. I did that. And in that, I am most sure. It also taught me that courage comes in many forms, and sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is to walk away. That was tough. That's tough. But most importantly, this is what it taught me, that I have a family to come home to. And I am so glad to be back home with you, with my family. What an adventure it was. (laughs) And I am better for the wear, I promise you. I set out to inspire everybody in this room, and what I ended up doing was being inspired by all of you. I can't tell you how many times I pulled this out, held it in the night all alone, and thought about what this means to me. Stand with me across this place. Lauren, if you want to come to the keys. I want to end this by saying what a great thing that we have done together. I said, what a great thing that we have done together. It was absolutely brutal. <laughs> you can use that word. That's, uh, that's, your, that's our word to use. I think that the most beautiful part of this brutal journey is this moment now, though. Thank you, Lord. This moment right now. Being home with you, the people I love, and the people that love me. April and I love this church, and we love you so, so, so much. Thank you for loving us and being a place that we can come home to. I'm thankful that I look forward to coming home to you. We've done a great thing together. We have. And God is going to use it to change many lives. And we'll talk about that more on August. in August. You'll see the faces of the lives that you are changing. It, it makes it all worth it. We've done a great thing together. I want us to take a moment here before we dismiss, and I want us just to take a minute and give him praise and honor and glory for what God has done through this crazy, crazy journey. There are many, many kids that are now going to have an opportunity to rise above the, the restrictive level of life that they've been living in, and it's all because of us together accomplishing that. Father, I thank you for this journey. I thank you for a brutal life. Lord, that sometimes there is brutality in it and it is crushing and it is overwhelming and it is more than we can bear. But then, God, there are those glimmer of moments where there is beauty in the ashes, God, and you create amazing things out of broken things. Lord, I thank you for a church family that is binding together with cords that cannot be broken. We are able to do great things together, Lord Jesus. That was always your plan. That was always your will. Lord, we're committed to one another. We love one another, God, and we are on a journey towards greatness together. And, Lord, we know that you're leading us to life and hope and future. And along the way, we're going to change people's lives. Lord, there are children's lives that are going to be changed. There are people's lives that are going to be changed. Generations of poverty, Father, are going to be overridden with a new outcome and a new destiny and a new purpose, God, all because we come together to accomplish something that is bigger than us. Lord, I thank you that I get to stand here today. I thank you, Lord, that I get to talk to people who love us and who we love. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing in the river and through the river, for the river. God, we are blessed to be a part of your kingdom here in Burt Burnett. God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the River on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the River, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 I'll South Preston Street, Street, Burnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage oh my- you to my spirit, life with us left at the river. me. more. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You said, Come to the river.